welcome to the Uplevel Your Relationships podcast. I'm your hostess, Allison Anderson, MD. This is the place where women in medicine come to learn how to create relationships as extraordinary as their careers. If you're looking to uplevel all of your relationships, including the one with yourself, I've got you. Using evidence-based mindset tools, my training as a life coach, and my own experience as a woman physician, I'll guide you through everything you need to know in order to create relationships beyond your wildest dreams. I'm so excited that you're here. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, magical friends. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Up Level Your Relationships podcast. As always, I am delighted to have you here, and I have something extra special happening on the show this month for all of you. So I'm in a business mastermind group, and I've met the most dynamic, amazing women through being in this group. So I thought it would be really fun to bring some of them onto the show this month so that they can share all of their extraordinary creations with all of you. So I have the first in this series today. It's my friend, Dr. Amy Bacos, PhD. She is a psychologist and the founder and CEO of the Art Therapy Center of San Francisco. Her online personal development program, The Modern Creative Woman, empowers women to create powerful personal presence, strong mindset, and live out their purpose and values. She is published in the areas of domestic violence, sexual assault, and PTSD, and she's authored several books. I'm going to link all of her information in the show notes of this episode, and I highly, highly recommend that you check out everything that she has to offer. So without further ado, please enjoy my interview with Dr. Amy Bacos. Okay. Hi, Amy. How are you, Allison? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited too. It's really fun. As a lot of my listeners know, because um, I've talked about it a lot, I have been part of a business mastermind for the last six months. And so you are my very first guest from my cohort of mastermind women. And I'm really excited to be bringing on some of my friends from that mastermind this month to the podcast to share all of their amazing talents and gifts and what they're doing with my listeners. So Amy, you are my first one of the business image mastermind ladies to come on the podcast. And I'm grateful that you're here. Well, thank you so much. It has been so great getting to know you and working with all the women in the mastermind. It's been an opportunity to make big changes with a lot of support and a lot of information and a lot of courage. Yeah, I agree. And you know, for me, one of the very best parts is this community that we've created. I've just been so honored to be part of this with 30-ish other super high achieving, brilliant women. So I'm excited for you to talk to us today and tell us about all the amazing stuff that you do. Well, I am a creativity expert. And so I consult with people on living vibrant, creative lives. I'm a PhD in clinical psychology, child and family. So lots and lots about relationships. I'm also a registered and board certified art therapist. And through this mastermind, I really took a big leap and retired from my position as chair at a university of the master's and doctoral program in art therapy. And with all of the support that we've gotten, I've shifted completely away from academia and into two aspects. One is a private practice model where I'm working with mostly women and adolescent girls. 
And I also have a really amazing series of workshops called The Modern Creative Woman. And so it's a subscription workshop that women get together, focus on building creative thoughts, strengthening their presence. And I also have a new book out. I've been writing a lot of books through the university and this one is called Act Art Therapy. And it's all about using a particular model where you're building your presence and your mindset and your purpose. I love all of that. And I just think this is a little bit outside of what we plan to talk about today, which is mostly relationship focused. But I just want to say, because so many of my listeners are women in academic medicine of some type. And I just, if you could speak for a second about what that transition is like from, you know, having this career in an academic setting, probably something that you imagined initially that you would like do forever And now taking this totally different path into something that's a lot more, I don't know, individual, tailored to what you want it to be. Like you've left the mothership of academia. And I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about what that's been like, because I know so many of us are thinking about, you know, do we want that for ourselves? Sure. The When I finished my internship and residency at the VA hospital, I thought maybe I would work at the VA. I felt like my career could fit within that umbrella. And I also thought about academia. And I'd been looking at one university in particular for a couple of years while I was finishing school. And the universities seemed like a place where I could live out my career dreams. I thought my son would go to that university And it really felt like a safe route. Both my parents are teachers, retired. My mom's a retired professor. And so it felt like a really good fit. And then it started to feel like I wasn't being the psychologist I wanted to be. And I started imagining that. There's a a book called The Woman I Always Wanted to Be by Diane von Furstenberg. And I, it, the title just stuck in my head, the psychologist I always wanted to be. And how could I move towards that? And I'd had private practice off and on. I just thought there's got to be a space where I am away from the administrative role of academia and doing something still invigorating creativity-wise. So seeing private clients is exciting. And I know I don't want to do it full-time. So I capped it at 10 per week, 10 hours per week of clients, and then started working on workshops. I feel like I'm a natural teacher. It was fun. It was such a good creative outlet for me to build these classes on joy or gratitude or women's search for meaning. And at some point, the pain of staying in a spot where I was unable to be the psychologist I wanted to be. And I put in my notice and there's whole pages and Instagram sites devoted to people leaving academia. And I also had those thoughts, like what else could I possibly do besides academia? It feels so constraining to think about leaving academia. Yeah. I think so many of us have that, like when we have these sort of linear career paths of any sort of high level education degree, you know, especially in medicine, we think that, you know, there's just one 
point A and there's one point B and there's a straight line between them. And that's just what we do. And I see so many of us sort of get stuck in that rut. And if it's not a conscious decision that we still choose that path over and over, we find ourselves kind of feeling blah and stuck. And so I just love that you are this example of what it's like to make a different choice and choose something on purpose that meets exactly what you want to get out of your career to be who you want to be in your career. So I love that. I love that little (laughs) sidetrack that we did because I think that's really inspirational to a lot of people listening. So let's dive in now to talking a little bit more about relationships, because as you know, that is sort of my jam and what my main focus of my coaching practice is. And it's, you know, literally in the title of this podcast, Uplevel Your Relationships. So I would love to hear from you about what you think are in your professional experience um, doing this for a really long time. What do you think the keys are to really having a relationship that thrives, especially a romantic partnership is kind of mainly what I'm talking about. It's a great question. And I come at it from being in a 28 year relationship with my husband. And I also come at it from the clinical side of child and family and relationship. My main focus in my research and my writing has been on trauma. And so that's one aspect that I think is often neglected in relationships is recognizing where the other person might have experienced trauma. So it could be sexual trauma. It could be ongoing harassment and discrimination, being in hostile environments. It could be childhood abuse and neglect. It could also be much smaller T traumas. So just the things that add up over time. And recognizing that the other person will react, they have to respond from their lens and they will react sometimes from that lens. And it is a way to bring a lot of compassion to a relationship, is having empathy for the other person's traumatic reactions. And there are times when we think our partner is being illogical or frustrating, or why can't they just do what I want? And having empathy towards their trauma can make a huge shift in our perspective. And the second thing that I think really matters is our values. It's figuring out what's most important to us and acting from that spot. And so values are like a direction, like going west. We can go around and around the world going west and never reach west. Values are not a goal that we check off. Your value in a relationship might be um, kindness, loyalty, friendship, support. And then you figure out how am I going to act to show those values? And it has nothing to do with the other person. If my value is kindness and support, I can ask myself, how can I embody that right now when they are maybe struggling or they are being unkind? has nothing to do with what they say. It's not a reaction to others. It's really coming from a deep place of what's most important to us. So those are my two things, recognizing trauma and knowing your values and knowing they're about you and not the other person. Yeah, I love that so much because I think that we are really taught and socialized to think that, you know, other people's behaviors 
directly impact our emotions, that they're in charge of our emotions. And the flip side of that is we're also taught that other people are supposed to be in charge of making us happy. So if we're upset, it's because of what our husband did. If we're happy, it's because of what he did. And I think that that's a really unhealthy paradigm for a lot of us, because then we end up just outsourcing so much of our emotional life to someone else. And like the other person just can't possibly be in charge of all of that for us. So I love this sort of focus on being who you want to be in your relationship in accordance with your own values. I talk about that sort of in the um, vision of one's future self. Like if you imagine your future self, what are the three characteristics that she most embodies in her relationship? For me, like my goal is to be loving, joyful, and calm. Those are some of my top values. And so I love the way that you speak about that because I think that that can really shift. Even just that one change can really shift how we show up in our relationships. And it also gives us sort of some space to see like, it's not all about what our partner's doing. It's also about what we're doing. And then the empathy component is also really interesting. That's something that ironically is not one of my strong suits. You would think, oh, you like being a doctor and she's super empathetic. I'm not naturally super empathetic. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. So I really have to sort of cultivate that um, awareness of like, what is the experience for the other person and what are they bringing to the table? Do you have some sort of um, ways for us to start to cultivate that empathy and really be aware of like our partner's past traumas? Like, how do you navigate that? Is it a direct conversation with them? Is it more of like a noticing? Speak on that empathy a little bit more. Sure. I love what you said about sometimes it doesn't feel perfectly natural. And if you've been in a long-term relationship, sometimes you're just sick of the same behavior that's been going on over and over again and will lose empathy for that reason. And empathy is teachable. It's a learned social experience. So there's nothing to fear if we are lacking empathy in particular moments of time. You can even link it back to your values. How can I show my kindness and my joy here? And what will the best way that it can be heard? So if my partner is in a funky mood, me being joyful and trying to have a happy conversation might not be as well received as if I shift a little bit and move into kindness and say, how's it going? How are you? I of course think, you know, your coaching program and work couples working together on therapy and their own personal insight is a huge way of allowing couples to join. And you ask about how to like understand the traumas or cultivate that empathy. It does require a lot of conversation and vulnerability to be able to share traumatic experiences or triggers. And so being willing is a huge part of it. So we can talk to our clients about what do you wish I knew about you? Mm. What do you wish that um, I could give you? when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. And the answer might be, leave me alone. I need quite quiet time. The answer might be, I just want to hug. I definitely don't want to talk about it when I'm upset. 
or I just want to talk about it. You know, just finding out what the answer is and never assuming that we know the answer. We often make the mistake of thinking we know the answer because we've been living the other for so long and our partners can really surprise us. Yeah. I think that that is so key. Like I even see as you're talking about that in my own marriage, I am very much one who likes to, you know, just settle the thing right now. Like if there's a conflict or an issue, I'm like, let's just deal with it. I'm, I'm like a woman of action. I, you know, I'm just like, let's get this done with. And my husband is quite the opposite. He needs time and space to process. And for some amount of time early in our relationship, that was really hard for me to understand until he being very self-aware as he is without any of this coaching, which is so annoying. I'm like, how are you just naturally so (laughs) self-aware? But being very self-aware, he said, you know, I really need time to think about things and to process things. And that silence from me is not me ignoring you or the issue. That silence from me is me making sure that I get to a good place so that I can actually have the conversation. And so he very directly told me that. And I think about, you know, now I'm much more aware of what he needs and wants in our relationship and how he works. And I'm also much more aware of some of his like past traumas that might contribute to the way that he is now. Um, But if I had had those tools of like directly being able to ask him, like, what do you want me to know? Or what do you need from me in these situations? I think we would have probably skipped a few (laughs) heartaching steps on the way (laughs) and, and been able to kind of get to that more quickly. So I really love that those questions and kind of that framework of, of how to, you know, really think about what your partner's bringing to the table. One question sort of related to that, that is coming to my mind is a lot of women like that are in my audience feel like they have to do it all. They have to be the one. They maybe make the money. They take care of the kids. They do all of these jobs. And so I have had many women come to me and say, I don't want to have to be the one that fixes or changes my relationship. Why can't my husband be the one? Why do I have to try to be empathetic? Why do I have to try to figure out their traumas or their past? So maybe you could address that a little bit. Like, what would you say to those of us who feel like we're the ones doing everything in our relationships? Mm, I think women often are doing, you know, the second shift kind of work around the house and childcare and the emotional labor. So I would go back to values and why might you want to delegate some of these tasks? Why would you and your relationship benefit from perhaps you need a housekeeper, perhaps you need carpooling. So you're not the one always driving. Perhaps your partner can take over some responsibilities. The feeling of I have to do it all myself, the thought I have to do it all myself serves zero people. It just gives us the the feeling of resentment and frustration and zero people do it all themselves. Behind every successful person is many, many people supporting them. So it's, it's simply not true that we are doing everything. And so why would you want to work on the relationship? Well, it feels good. It gets you closer to your future self. It 
allows you to act in alignment with your values. And that's how we become more authentic and how we self-actualize is when we are fully in alignment with how we want to be. We behave in ways that feel good to us. So it it doesn't feel good to go home and yell at the kids and then snap at your partner and then slam the pots and pans around during cooking. None of that feels good or serves our future self. I would start with the I'm doing it all comment. Delegate as much as you can and then work on those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I think that can be a really sort of pervasive thing that we can get caught up in because it just feels so true, you know? And then I know a lot of us have people around us that reinforce that. We have girlfriends, maybe especially ones that aren't in medicine and they say, oh my gosh, you're doing it all. Like you do so much, what's going on? And, and so we get a lot of reinforcement that, yeah, I am doing everything. And then we put a negative spin on that and let ourselves get resentful because of it. And I think that that can definitely be sort of something that um, crushes the connection and the intimacy and the happiness in a relationship when you approach it like that. So I love your tips on kind of, first of all, delegate. Second of all, let's clean up that thinking because it all really starts with our thinking, right? Yeah. Nobody, you know, on their deathbed says, boy, I'm glad I did it all. <laughs> right. right. That. What do you want to say on your deathbed? I'm glad I made time for my kids. I'm glad I made time for my partner. I'm glad I pursued the career that I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like the focus on, you know, when it comes to working on things in your relationship and instead of making that feel like it's another task on your to-do list, it's not, it's something that you're doing for you. Cause what's the alternative? Just be miserable and, you know, go through the motions forever. Life is far too short for that. So I really like putting the focus on I'm doing this for me. Yes. It's for the relationship, but it's for my own evolution, growth, peace, happiness in the relationship. I think that's really important. You mentioned outsourcing earlier where we We tell ourselves that someone else is responsible for how we feel. And it's a little bit what our brain does. Um, Like if we lose something, we think who took it? It, You know, it's just what our brain will, will do. We'll try and outsource negative emotions. And we have to kind of rein in our mind in that way and take full responsibility for how we feel. And we might think that we're taking full responsibility for how we feel in the moment. And then two days later, we realize, oh, I was being very defensive here. I was projecting my negativity onto someone else. It takes, you know, some self-reflection to recognize when we're doing it. Yeah, it really does. It's all about creating that awareness of some of these default things that our brain will just do. And then recognizing, oh, that might not really be serving me. So what could I do instead? I think that's that's like the central part of so much of this work is just becoming aware and deciding whether you want to keep that default pattern and thought or not. That's okay. Great. So I wanted to ask you also, and we talked about this a little bit before this conversation, but so many women in my audience are very high achieving. They're very authoritative at work. 
they are the boss. They know the things. They're an expert in what they do, right? We can relate to this at work. And so we were talking before this conversation about how that vibe of knowing it all, being the expert, being so authoritative often kind of seeps into our life at home and it's not actually useful there. So let's talk a little bit about that. (laughs) When we talked before, I remembered one time my dad called me a benevolent dictator at home. You know, you're, you're acting like a dictator. You're being nice about it, but you're dictating. I'm like, oh, like it really took some observation outside of my marriage to help me see that, which is why I think your coaching is so important. It Just to have someone else look in. And that was such a wake up moment for me. And so that powerful presence of being the boss, being in charge, knowing what to say at work can like bleed into the same approach of that energy at home. And it doesn't mean the energy has to change. It's just about the, the intention and the action steps, right? So we can still be who we are and apply it differently. You know, we can apply it to solving a external problem, like, oh, the plumbing needs some work, right? We can apply it in ways that are strategic, that are outside of ourselves. But when we have to shift internally, it doesn't work. It's a real problem where we try and solve these external situation, make solutions for something external. When we try and apply it internally, we we fail. So some of it is shifting to a little bit more of a feminine energy of being receptive and not always um, initiating. So in a relationship where it's healthy, there are times when we initiate and there are times when we are receptive. We don't have to embody one. So that would be my first set of suggestions is figure out where you can stop applying the fix it mentality in your relationship. Like it's a mistake in our thinking. If we are cold, we can put on a sweater or turn up the heat, but we, we can't use that kind of thinking in a relationship. Mm. We have to be a little more engaged with the back and forth of it. There's nothing to fix. It's a relationship that goes back and forth and using your skills. Like if I'm at home, there are things that I'm really good at doing for the household. You know, I can do all the school paperwork. I can make the phone calls for school applications. I can do all of those things very, very easily. So it gets put on my plate because I can do that easily. I can use that skill from work to solve a problem for the family. Mm -hmm. And that's satisfying. I get to use that in a helpful way. No... Nobody in my house wants me to use that on them, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think it's about being willing to have a look at where that part of us fits at home and where it doesn't. And, you know, without the outsourcing, we don't have to fix anything. We can be rather than do in relationship. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Be rather than do. That's amazing. Because I think that, you know, for so many of us, we are very um, 
talented in some ways. I mean, we're, we're high achieving. We know what to do. We get things done. And that has served us so well professionally. And I love how you say that you can bring that into your life, your personal life, but just in specifically directed ways, you know, like, yeah, you're the one to handle the finances and the kid phone calls or the, whatever it is, because you're so good at that. And so of course we want to bring those talents in, but then we also want to have some perspective of when those characteristics don't actually serve us. Like for me, you know, it's being super bossy with everybody at home in a way that's not actually helpful. That's, that's one of the places where I can see, oh, my being authoritative doesn't actually work in this aspect of my home life. It's amazing when I'm in the OR and I got to, you know, tell the people what to do in the, in an emergency. It is not amazing when I tell my, you know, 45 year old husband what he should be doing <laughs> just because I think it's the right way. And I've found for me that as I sort of open to um, just acknowledging all of the characteristics that I bring and sort of seeing where they don't serve me, it's opened a lot of space for me to see where I can actually learn from my husband and my kids and people around me. Um, You know, like they bring a lot to the table that when I am so much in my authoritative work mode, I don't even get to see. So it's really beautiful to kind of take a step back and kind of be in that more feminine, receptive energy, because then I often end up pleasantly surprised that, in fact, the people don't need me to tell them every single thing that they should do. They have a lot of great ideas, and it's so fun to see. (laughs) Well, we develop um, disproportionately a lot of times, right? So in school, we might develop um, skills in one topic and not another we might become sort of emotionally mature, but socially awkward. So just development happens in an uneven way. That's part of how it is. And in school and certainly in graduate school and medical school, we're rewarded for high pressure response, you know, doing it right, getting it correct. And that overdevelops that sort of personality style. And meanwhile, we might have underdeveloped our ability to be soft or empathetic or compassionate because we've just been focusing on this one area of development. But nothing's gone wrong. It's just about evening out our skills. And so back to your question of why do I have to do it all myself? Because we're responsible for our own personal growth and our own development And we're responsible for noticing our blind spots or the areas where we haven't quite developed. And when we take full responsibility for that, our partner becomes so much less annoying to us. It's just a natural byproduct of our own personal growth that we are less bothered by the little things that sometimes can push our buttons. Hey, I think that is like one of the most amazing plugs for like coaching, personal development work your partner will seem much less annoying (laughs) when you do this work. Like, hey, sign me right up. (laughs) But I love how you say that nothing's gone wrong because I think that it's so true that we really are just taught and we have such a singular focus on being this, you know, high achiever, being this person that knows the answer, being an expert. And, And then because we're like that, then when we see when things aren't going great in our relationships, we somehow use that to beat ourselves up. Like, why am I like this? 
why am I so bossy? And we put a negative spin on that. So I love this sort of self-compassion of like, well, of course I'm like this. I've had a singular focus for a couple of decades on learning to be like this because it really serves my patients and it serves me professionally. And it's okay that those other skills aren't quite as developed yet. And like now is the time that I can learn how to be softer, more compassionate, more empathetic and open in my relationship. Nothing's gone wrong. I love that. I tell my patients all the time, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Mm, Yes. We just waste time if we look back and and regret how we, you know, messed up our uh, conversation in our eyes. We judge ourselves. There's, there's little to be learned from any kind of self-critique in that way. The, the judgments are unhelpful. Observations, having a third party help you observe your thoughts, that's really the way to shift from a singular focus to just adding more skills to develop more in other areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So in the last couple of minutes, I would love for you to tell us what are sort of your take home points about how to have amazing relationships, especially the romantic ones. It's knowing ourselves kind of upside down and inside out that allows us to be the kind of partner we want to be. And so a shift from what kind of partner do I want to what kind of partner do I want to be has probably had the singular biggest change in my relationship. When I ask myself, how do I want to show up here? I've just had a really long day. Maybe I'm feeling a little cranky and I'm hungry. What do I need to do to show up and smile and and bring joy to my family? That one question completely changed how I interact. How do I want to show up? Mm -hmm. It's taking full responsibility for what I'm bringing So that kind of shift, I think, is critical. One example that I often ask my clients is, you know, what movies or shows or concerts would you go to as a couple? What what are your interests? And then what would you do if you just had the day to yourself? What show would you watch? How would you spend your day? And it's often pretty different. We compromise a lot where we both agree, okay, we could watch this show. It's not on anybody's top list. It's everybody's third or fourth choice, but it's the only one we can agree on. So we're watching it. Um, Making sure that you find the time to do the things that you love, to go to the shows or the restaurants or spend the day the way you want to. Because if we're only doing the compromised activities, no wonder we can build up resentments. It really matters that we focus on our own personal growth, our own self-care, and doing the things that are number one on our list. It lets go of all the resentment. Not all maybe, but it really helps us let go of the resentment we might have that we're compromising ourselves or we don't get to do what we want to do in our relationship. And so often, you know, when you involve um, kids or elderly parents or these other responsibilities, the relationship can feel so much more like business than love. 
And so making sure that you're showing yourself so much love and compassion is the number one way to become a better partner. Mm, Yeah. I love that. It all starts with us, right? We talk so much about our relationships and I love all of our romantic relationships, especially because they really do provide us with like a mirror for what's going on with us. They provide us with so many opportunities for personal growth and evolution, but, and, you know, the most primary relationship is the one we have with ourselves. And if that's not solid and if that's not good, then nothing else can be built upon that in a completely healthy way. Yeah. It it's easier when we think of it that way too. I don't have to fix them. I don't have to fix this relationship. I just work on me. And that is how we do it. Yeah. It really only takes one person in the relationship to completely transform the experience, which is what makes it so beautiful and empowering to know that we can do this work and make a lasting change if we want to. Yeah. Okay, Amy, I'm so happy that you came on with us today. I love everything that you're doing. And I would love for you to tell us how do we find you? What can we do to connect with you? What are you offering lately that we can sign up for? Yeah, thanks for asking. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. It's at Dr. Amy Bacos. Back, like scratch my back, B-A-C-K-O-S. And you can also find me at the Art Therapy Center SF, so sanfrancisco.com. And if you go to that page, you can sign up for my newsletter. I send out a monthly newsletter and I've got some creative happenings. I do a lot of free community workshops. And when you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get an email with a workbook that I've created. And it's exactly for the woman you work with. And it's all about values and how you can pull your values into your to-do list. And so if you've got a a couple to-do list items for at home or at work, how can your values guide that, guide your attitude, guide your choices? And for those of us who are so focused on getting things done, this is a way to start softening that and adding in a little bit more of what's important to you. Mm, I love that. Okay. Well, I will link everything in the show notes so that everybody can easily find it. Go check out Dr. Amy and all her things. And again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Allison. I love the work you're doing. It's so important. You're putting so much value into the world and you're changing so many people's lives. When you work with one individual woman, the ripple effect is huge. You're improving their family and their work. It it really spreads out. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, was that not the most fantastic conversation that I had with Dr. Amy Bacos? If you loved it, please make sure that you go to all of the links in my show notes so that you can get all of her information and start getting her newsletter and that workbook that she mentioned. I love Amy's work and I know that you're going to love it too. I hope you guys have the most amazing week and I'll talk to you next week with yet another special guest. Take care. Hey, one more thing before I let you go, my friends. Have you signed up for my limited time holiday Voxer coaching special? If not, you have got to get your place saved. This is the best way to get some support during these last few weeks of the year, first couple of weeks of the new year, when things are a little bit hectic and a little bit crazy. 
the holidays and the new year are definitely the time that we can all use a little bit of coaching, a little bit of insight and a little bit of support, but they're also the time when it's kind of tricky to schedule those weekly Zoom sessions to meet with your coach. So I have designed a Voxer coaching special in order to solve all of that. So if you don't know, Voxer is a voice and text messaging app and it's completely private and it's also free. And via this coaching special, you can get four weeks of high-level one-on-one coaching from me on demand. So basically, you get to text or voice message me anytime with any issue, with any problem, with anything that you want to talk about. And I'll respond during kind of normal business hours with insight, questions, reflection, and coaching. So you can get access to me for four weeks for only $197, which is ridiculously valuable and amazing. So if you want in on this offer, I only have a few more spaces left. Go to allisonandersoncoaching.com forward slash Voxer and get yourself signed up.